Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Inspire One podcast. I'm your host, Josh Pierman, and I'm glad you can come and spend some time with us today. If this is the first podcast episode you're listening to of Inspire One, you may want to take a few minutes and subscribe to the channel and listen to last week's introductory podcast. In case you're unaware, Inspire One is a movement of individuals committed to being proactively positive in the lives of others every single day. I summed it up last week with a quote from Eugene Bell Jr., which said, I aspire to inspire before I expire. And I hope that you feel the same way after spending some time here with us. So, if you were here with us last week, we waxed nostalgic on a speech that President John F. Kennedy gave in 1962 about U.S. efforts to reach the moon. This past week, we really experienced this phenomenon known as a supermoon, or basically a really, really large-looking moon, which appears that way because it's very close to the Earth during its orbit. Now, Another supermoon happens to be heading our way on January 31st, which will actually coincide with the lunar eclipse, so be on the lookout for that. Now, for those of you listeners who may not be aware, I am a science teacher, so from time to time you may have to suffer through my scientific analogies, references, and perspectives, so I apologize in advance. As a matter of fact, I still remember when I really first came to be interested in science, It was 1996, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Yes, the Spice Girls, they ruled the radio. Tickle Me Elmo made his first appearance. The Summer Olympics were in Atlanta and computers everywhere were churning out this glorious sound. You're welcome. (laughs) I hope your ears aren't bleeding as much as mine are. Oh, man. What a crazy, crazy time. You know, 1996 wasn't a great year for everyone, though. There was one particular student at a small semi-rural middle school in West Central Indiana that, well, like a lot of middle schoolers, had some issues. And I want to refer to this student as Student X. You see, Student X, just for a little background, came from a blue-collar family, probably like a lot of other students that you may know. They had a decent family life, but didn't really have a ton to show for it. Whether it was through their parents mismanaging other finances or being strapped with unnecessary debt, Student X didn't necessarily come to school looking, quote-unquote, dressed too impressed. And as a matter of fact, Student X wore a lot of sweatpants and tracksuits. Yes, now before you cast judgment, remember it was the 90s, folks. Let's not forget about those windbreaker tracksuits. But if economics weren't enough of a disadvantage for Student X, Student X struggled with their weight. For a 7th grader, Student X was very obese, and by far the heaviest student in their grade. Student X had poor eyesight, which coupled with their family's economic issues and the trends of the time, Student X had what some would call Coke bottle glasses. You see, things were rough for Student X, but it wasn't all bad. You see, Student X was smart. They were inquisitive and eager 
misunderstood by many of their peers, Student X, however, caught the attention of a teacher. This teacher is one that saw through the situation and saw the potential of what Student X might become. You see, the academic progress that Student X was making only seemingly further isolated them from their peers, to the point where one day the bullying and isolation became far too difficult to bear, and Student X shared their frustrations with the one person they thought cared, that teacher. And so that teacher seized upon that moment, that chance. They took a chance on Student X, and they decided to make them their project. That teacher invested quality time, encouragement, and effort into inspiring this student to achieve more than they had ever dreamed possible. It was in that moment when that teacher took a chance that they invested in Student X that they presented that student with three specific things that they were lacking. Those three things are validation, value, and vision. Now, I want to pause from this story for a second and ask you to think, what are you currently doing in your life to bring about those three things into the life of someone else? What are you doing to bring validation, value, and vision into the lives of those you come in contact with every day? Let's start talking about validation. Now, in this sense of the term, the word validation should be thought of as acceptance. In our case study, the educator made it a point to validate or show acceptance to student X, even when it seemed like no one else even noticed them, at least not in a positive manner. This teacher validated their very being. The fact that they were there, they recognized that they were a person, that they deserved some kind of attention too. You see, when you and I validate someone, we should be striving to accept them as they are in their current state. Now, does this mean that you and I have to agree with all of that person's ideas, especially about themselves or their situation? No way. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, that could even trend towards enabling certain bad behaviors. However, On the other hand, validation should be viewed from the lens that everyone in this world desires to be loved, to be noticed, and to be respected. Validation accepts that person as they are, not who we want them to be or think that they could become. You and I must meet people on their level if we ever want to inspire to raise them up. So, the first point is validation. What are you doing to validate, to accept someone, to meet someone at their level, at their point of need today, right now? That educator validated that student. And secondly, student X became to feel valued. You see, value is a natural outflow of being validated. When you and I touch the life of someone and we let them know that we are for them and not against them, they feel valued. As an educator, that is a main goal of mine. You see, every student that walks through my doors should feel as if they are important to me. This is why I go out of my way to attempt to call them by name, both in and outside of the classroom. I approach them in the hallway or in the lunchroom 
and especially in front of their friends and peers, just to call them out by name, just to say hello, to make small talk. Why? What have I done? I've only noticed them. But to someone who just wants to be noticed, I've noticed them. I've validated them. I've seen them. I've sought them out. I've opened the door of communication with them. They didn't have to come to me with some problem, some need, some issue. No, I went to them just to say, hey, I notice you. And that brings value. That brings self-worth. And in many cases, motivation to those students and others to self-improve. Now, Student X's teacher saw a massive amount of interpersonal skills grow and develop as that student gained confidence in their own abilities, simply because they believed that someone else thought they were able to do the hard things and to do them well. So what are we doing right now to validate others, to accept them, to show them value and worth? And finally, What are we doing to bring about a vision to that person? So you see, as a biology teacher, I have lots of silly little phrases, songs, and dances. And yes, literally, I've got songs and dances um, and uh, lots of other teacher cliches that I like to throw out in class. But one thing that I always tell my students on the very first day of my biology course is that my goal is not only to teach them about the structures and functions of life, because of course biology is the study of life, but it's my goal to not only teach them about life, but how to better live life as well. That right there is what drives me. I want to cast a vision for every person that walks into my classroom that they aren't just another number on a roster. They aren't just another seat on a seating chart, and especially not another score on a standardized test. And you know what? All great educators think this way. It's not just me. I'm not just sitting here tooting my own horn, okay? We cast a vision to enable these students to see themselves into the future. We want to inspire them to reach greatness because we really do believe that they're capable of doing it. You see, Student X not only gained validation and value in the moment, But through that process of continual validation and valuing, the teacher began to expand that student's vision of themselves and help them begin to see the bigger picture. And when that happened, guess what? School was no longer a place where student X had to come and be ridiculed every day, but instead a place where student X could come and be engaged and productive as a member of that school community. And student X no longer saw school as a place to slog through every day, day after day, avoiding the pubescent landmines of immaturity and self-loathing, but rather they began to see it as an adventure of self-discovery and a drive to block out the noise of all the naysayers and the haters. Student X finally had a vision to see for themselves. And when you and I accept and meet people where they are, When we take a minute out of our crazy busy schedules and acknowledge them and their situation, no matter how good or bad, we value them. And when people feel valued, they begin to see things in a different light. And let's be honest here. It's not always the big things that matter the most either. Sometimes it's the smallest, 
most simple details that oftentimes leave the biggest impression. I would know. If it wasn't for my seventh grade English teacher, that story that you just heard would never happen. This podcast would probably be non-existent because you guessed it. I was student X. And it was in 1996 when my life began to take the trajectory that I'm still on today with the help of that great teacher and lots of other great ones along the way. I began to live life with a different perspective. And in the process, I started to take my classes a little bit more seriously and started being engaged. I started reading this book in my seventh grade science class, and it was called Moonshot. It's a book about the Apollo missions, and it was written by Alan Shepard and Deke Slayton, two astronauts. And it really opened my eyes to astronomy, a subject that still fascinates me to this day. Now, one of the tidbits that I discovered through all of my reading of the Apollo space program was very interesting. For example, you probably already know this answer. Who was the first man to walk on the moon? Go ahead and say it to yourself. If you know it, you could say it out loud. People might look at you weird. But who was it? Who was the very first person to walk on the moon? Okay, have you answered? It's Neil Armstrong, of course. Now, let me follow that up with this question. Who was the last man to walk on the moon? Who was the last man to walk on the moon? Don't Google it. Don't. I'm just curious. Do you know? Exactly. Most of us listening don't even have a clue. Why don't we know? Because it wasn't significant, right? Wrong. That was in 1972, and it's been over 45 years since that happened. But to say that there was nothing significant about that mission is absolutely wrong. And you see, we've already noted that when it comes to validating others, showing them value, and granting them vision to dream, sometimes it's the smallest, most seemingly insignificant details that add up. And I'll just tell you, the last man to walk on the moon, his name was Eugene Cernan. And most people just called him Gene. He was a middle-class guy from Chicago who always had a dream to be an astronaut. And he served on multiple Apollo missions and ended up being the last guy still to this very day in 2018, to step foot on the moon. Yet, although that's a nice tidbit of information for Jeopardy if you're ever on the show, that's not what you should know about Gene Cernan. And I'm sure that's not what he would want you to know. You see, because Gene had a nine-year-old daughter named Tracy in 1972 when he landed on the moon. And of course, like any loving father, he loved his daughter Tracy so much. And as Gene was prepping the lunar rover to take pictures and video of the shuttle's departure the next day, he drove it away from the launch site and he got out beside it and he knelt in the moon dust before walking back. And there on the surface of the moon, Gene Cernan took his finger and he began to write in the lunar dust. Nothing fancy, just three large letters. T-D-C. It stood for Tracy Dawn Cernan. He left that there and got back up and walked to the ship. 
It launched the next day and he came back to earth, the last person ever to this day to walk on the moon. Now, here's one of the coolest things of the story to me, because, of course, I'm a science nerd. There's no real atmosphere on the moon. It's not like planet Earth. You probably know that. It basically exists in a vacuum. There's no wind or anything else, really, to disturb the surface of the moon. Of course, unless like an asteroid hit it, but nothing really bothers the surface of the moon. So, when Gene Cernan wrote those three letters, his daughter's initials, in that lunar dust on the surface of the moon, it still stands to this day. His one small gesture of love, showing value to his daughter, left unscathed for many more lifetimes than either of them would ever be able to endure here on earth. Three letters, T-D-C probably seems pretty insignificant to most people. But to one person, I guarantee you, it meant absolutely everything. Even more so because astronaut Gene Cernan, he passed away in January of 2017, about a year ago. But his legacy lives on. His legacy lives on not because he made a choice to do something with the intent of being recognized for it. Rather, He was motivated out of the love that he had for his daughter back here on earth. And as you and I strive to inspire others in our lives this week, let's keep our methods and our intent in check. You know, there was a singer and songwriter. uh, His name is Rich Mullins. Now, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you've not. But he was a great man. But he passed away as well. And the late singer-songwriter Rich Mullins had this to say about our legacy. He said, if your life is motivated by your ambition to leave a legacy, what you'll probably leave as a legacy is ambition. Think about that. I want to say that again. If your life is motivated by your ambition to leave a legacy, what you'll probably leave as a legacy is ambition. You know, my 7th and 8th grade English teacher didn't invest in me because she thought it would make her look good. She didn't spend countless hours of conversation, special projects, motivating techniques on myself and students like me so she could garner accolades in the community or get her name on a fancy plaque in the teacher's lounge. She didn't inspire me and all the students after me to this very day just so she could earn a bigger paycheck or get a career advancement. No. She did it because she chose to, because inspiring others is what she does. It's who she is. It's ingrained in her DNA. Now, she'd be the very first to tell you she's not a perfect woman nor a perfect educator, but I and hundreds, if not thousands of students by this point who are just like me would tell you that no matter how obscure the gesture may have seemed to the others around us, she took her finger, and she etched her initials into the lunar dust of our lives. And I, for one, can guarantee that no storm, no situation in this life will ever be able to wipe away the impact that she has made on who I have become. Well, I sure do want to thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Inspire One Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed your listening experience today. 
If you've not had a chance to subscribe to the channel on iTunes, please be sure and do that today. Also, I hope you'll take a quick second and share the link on the Inspire One podcast channel to your favorite social media outlets. That way we can reach more people with the message of inspiring others every day. Again, I'm your host, Josh Pierman, and I'm very grateful that you spent some time with us today here on Inspire One. I look forward to being with you again next time as we're challenged to inspire one person in our lives every day. I hope you have a great day, and as my best friend says, go and do good.